As we close out the summer, we're looking back at some of Kindred Cast's most inspiring moments. Today, listen in as Joanna Coles, the inspiration for and executive producer of the hit TV series The Bold Type, details her auspicious beginnings in the newspaper business. Coles, who was Hearst's first ever chief creative officer, announced she is launching Boudica later this year, a subscription-based content platform targeting women in the workplace. To hear the full show, check out episode 23. Also, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast so that you never miss a new episode when we return. Stay tuned for Joanna. I do follow you on social media, and I love listening and watching your um, activities because one of your Instagram posts, or many of your Instagram posts, show you running on a treadmill in your office while you're doing work. And your tagline said, there is no balance, embrace the chaos. Is that your mantra? Well, I think if we try and set particularly women up, as we have done, seeking balance, then we are doomed to failure. I think you've got four children. The minute you have a child, you know there is no balance. They're either sleeping or not sleeping and life exists somewhere in between. Any kind of good job requires moments of extreme focus and concentration. And any family life also requires those moments if somebody's ill or if things aren't going according to plan or you have an in-law or you have a child that's not behaving as expected. There are extremes of attention needed and emotion involved. So I think setting people up for balance is destined for failure and we have to live at the extremes occasionally, and we have to be okay with that. That's right. And it's more intense. I like the intensity of life. I don't want to be living in some sort of balanced, dull place. Yeah, I've said this before, including on this podcast and other interviews, that balance is not a line between two compartments in a circle. It is a kaleidoscope. Everything is mixed in together every single day in life. Every single day is different. And you just have to bob and weave until you figure it out and optimize the scenario. Well, that's rather eloquently put. I'm not entirely sure I understand it. But I like the image of a kaleidoscope. And I do think that you literally have to take each day as it comes. In media, you have no idea what's going to happen by lunchtime. But also you have all the personal stuff too, which comes, you know, pouring in at certain times. And it all requires attention. Yeah. Well, you started your career as a journalist, as I mentioned in the introduction. Our mutual friend, Carly Kloss, uh, told me in preparation for this interview that she looks to you as a role model. Oh, God. Yeah. A saying that you have a reputation for being tenacious. And that's what she loves about you. She doesn't think that you let anything stand in your way. Nothing's impossible. Which is a motto I also stand by. Nothing's impossible. So when you started as a journalist, I mean, did you think of it yourself as moving into a career path that you felt like was going to be groundbreaking, expansionary in nature? Or... Did you think, I'm just going to keep moving up the ranks as a journalist? Or did you think of yourself as a brand unto itself, where you could actually start to really craft a new strategy for media? Well, I started as a journalist on Fleet Street, which has a particular kind of culture, one which would not survive very long, I think, in today's climate. And you would walk out of the offices of the Daily Telegraph and on your left was St. Paul. So you had God on your left and then you had the High Courts of London on your right. So you were sandwiched somewhere between God and the law. And there was journalism in the middle of it. And all I wanted to do was get the story. And I love Carly's description of me as tenacious. I will tell you very early on in my career, I kicked open a toilet door to talk to a girl who had been just released from the High Court 
she was pursued by a pack of reporters. I was the only female reporter. And of course, she went to the station to go home. And what did she do? She did what everybody does when they go to the station. She went to the bathroom and I leapt over. I was much more active then, despite my treadmill. I managed to vault over the thing to get into the bathroom, kicked open the door. The poor girl was in mid-pee. And I couldn't think of the right question to ask her. All I knew was that I had five minutes with her, which none of the male reporters outside the bathroom door could have. And I realised in that moment, I never wanted to kick open a bathroom door again. I really needed to get my questions in advance. And it probably wasn't worth it. But what was exciting... And was, good thing was podcast didn't exist back then. Very good podcast <laughs> didn't exist back then because you would have been there with me. But what I did learn was that I could get it done if I needed to. And that was quite a useful moment of self-understanding. Yeah. I'm not quite sure what your question was, but I hope that sort of answered well, it. Well, that definitely tells me a lot about you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't do it again. I would just like to point out... <laughs> She wasn't a very interesting girl, unfortunately. Well, you've jumped, was through, really the problem. Uh, jumped through walls in other ways. Well, I've tried occasionally. Sometimes I've just slid down the wall too. <laughs> uh, Joanna, you've been a great advocate for women's issues and women's rights and women's empowerment around the world. And it's been a passion for your career. You're the only woman on the SNAP board, for example. How has that affected your career? How is that playing out today for you in terms of being a real role model? for women in the workplace? Well, first of all, I never think of myself as a role model. And secondly, I wasn't actively, determinedly going after women's rights so much as just equality. I mean, it just seemed to me clear when I was going into the workforce, I should be paid the same as the man in the cubicle next to me, unless he was unbelievably brilliant and working three times as hard, in which case you would be able to see his work. And in my business, we work in quite a transparent business. So if if someone is trying to bullshit you, you can say, yeah, but I see what you write every day. It's not really as good as you say it is, is it? I'm just a passionate believer in equality of opportunity and equality in pay and men and women working together. And I've had great mentors, both male and female. And actually one of the role models that I do think I've helped create, which I'm very proud of, is the role model in the bold type, because one of my great anxieties was that apart from Mary Tyler Moore growing up, for me, there were no female role models on television. There are almost none now. And I love to point to the example of Modern Family, which is such a self-regarding title. I love that show. I think it's absolutely brilliant. It's not very modern. The only thing that's modern about it is that it has a gay couple at the centre of it. Actually, it took them forever to find a working woman on it. And Claire ends up inheriting her father's business, which is actually not what most people end up doing. And she's still the ditzy boss who can't ever get things done by intention. It's almost that any success is by accident. And it drives me crazy that there aren't more good representations of working women on television. So with the bold type, which was based around the experience of three young women working at Cosmo, it's fictional. But there is a central character played by Melora Hardin, who is a role model boss. And she can be annoying. She can make mistakes. She can be all sorts of things. But essentially, she feels real. And the point of her is she's not the trope or the cliche bitch boss. She's actually very supportive of her younger staff, which is certainly what I tried to be. But more importantly, it was 
actually my experience working in both Fleet Street and then coming to work in the media world in New York, I had tremendous help from women who had really had to battle and were desperate to bring women up. So this idea that women don't reach down and help other women was not my experience. And I didn't want that reflected on television. I wanted a really strong role model. And you said it in the intro, but the show launched on Freeform last summer and was a runaway hit. Absolutely. It's gotten a great reputation and great ratings, and I've heard great critical acclaim about it as well. Yeah, and it's funny. It doesn't take itself too seriously. Yeah. It's very realistic. A lot of it's based on... I mean, I keep journals, and I sort of dumped my journals onto the poor writers in the writer's room. Let's talk about your new book, then, since mm. we are talking about creativity. I would love to talk uh, about my new book. Love Rules. Yes. How to Find a Real Relationship in a Digital World. What was your inspiration in writing it? And what is love hacks that you reference in the book? And why is it important? Well, love is important because it's the single biggest indicator of whether or not you will live a long and happy life is who you love and who loves you back and the quality of your real human relationships. DNA and genetics aside, having social relationships with love in them is unbelievably important to your well-being. So that's why it's important. And what became clear to me when I was watching people using social media to meet people and watching the avalanche of dating apps, which I think are a very good thing. And this is not in any way a rage against digital at all. But it is a reminder of the importance of real life relationships and how they can get squandered by people's excitement around digital. And we live at a time when we are encouraged to get followers and Facebook friends, and we begin to think that they are a substitute for the real thing and they're really not. And of course, the more you use and the more you connect with people online, the more your neural pathways gravitate towards that, making real life connection actually quite hard. And a lot of millennials as we know, as anyone who's run a millennial workforce knows, they would rather email someone in the next cubicle than get up and go and talk to them. They would rather put needles of heroin in their eyes than pick up a telephone and actually speak to someone at the other end of it. And it's a real problem. It's a problem in business. It's a problem in romantic relationships. It's a problem in family Family, relationships. So the book is really about that. And one of the things I found fascinating was how many dates people were going on. It's easy to find a date. It's never been easier to go on a date. And yet it seems really hard to find love. There is an epidemic of loneliness. The British government has just appointed a minister for loneliness, which seems an extraordinary statement. And so really it's a man or a woman. It's a woman. Also, interestingly, the Minister for Sport. And I was struck by how, especially when people were meeting online on dating apps, they might have 250 texts or a thousand texts back and forth about setting up a date. And then you go on the date, often full of excitement and hope. And of course, if you just picked up the phone and talked to them for three minutes, you would have figured out whether or not this was someone you actually really wanted to waste Mm -hmm. the time meeting. And so it's really 15 rules to find a relationship that brings you fulfillment and that you can contribute to and bring fulfillment to someone else. Do you think that you figured it out personally? Uh, well, uh, every day is a challenge, sorry. <laughs> every day is a challenge. Let me put it this way. I have two teenage sons who sometimes speak to me, not always, depends on their mood, and I'm still married. Okay, that's good. So, well, one day at a time. You do seem like you have passion for life in general. I mean, I think giving advice on love makes sense because in my time that I've known you 
you love the time we live in right now. You are exhilarated by the moment. You have new projects all the time that we're talking about. And it's a great moment for life, for journalism, for media, for technology, for brands, for relationships, for the millennials in the future. I mean, maybe that's an optimistic summation of it all, but it does feel like you're in your moment right now. I'm energised by what's going on right now. And I think that we just don't want to forget that actually real relationships actual conversations, having dinner with friends, really important. And there is no digital substitute for that. I mean, it's fantastic to have video chats with your friends when they're not in the room with you. I love all that. But there is no substitute for sitting down with someone at the end of the day. I hope you enjoyed our show today. If you want to check out any prior episodes, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Feel free to leave a review there as it helps people find the show. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at KindredCast for behind-the-scenes photos and info. Keep listening and see you next time. Audiation.